Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There are two things I need to mention before you start this show that are very important. One, I noticed only after production that my microphone wasn't working properly. It sounded fine in my headphones, but apparently I was off mic, so it sounds a little echoey uh, when I talk and not as luxurious and full and fat as the sound is currently. And two, there are a lot of F-bombs in this episode. Now, this conversation was amazing, uh, despite the first thing I mentioned, and probably because of the second thing I mentioned. I know a lot of you out there struggle with creating your content and really like finding your lane and finding your voice and finding your place in social media, specifically in platforms like YouTube and podcasts that probably feel very oversaturated. And you're probably questioning yourself, can I make a dent? Can I make a difference? Can I find my audience? Should I start this podcast that's in the back of my head? Should I actually create a YouTube channel? And if so, for either of those, what's my goal? How do I measure it? How do I even create something out of scratch when there are these huge creators already out there dominating the audience? Well, that's exactly what I talked about today with the CEO, the business, the management side of one of the largest storytelling YouTube channels and podcasts on the planet. What's up, storytellers? Welcome back to the Storytelling Lab podcast. This is episode 133, and today my guest is Nick Witters, the CEO of Ballin Studios. If you aren't familiar with the Mr. Ballin YouTube channel, He is an incredible, I mean, amazing storyteller, specifically telling stories of the strange, dark, mysterious. That is his wheelhouse, and the episodes are just, like, incredible and immersive, and the channel and the brand and the business is just growing and growing and growing. They just won a Webby Award. They have an exclusive deal with Amazon, and it just looks like the sky is the limit for Ballin Studios. And a big part of that, a big reason for that, is my guest Nick Witters, the CEO. Now, Nick is a combat veteran, was in the Air Force. Coincidentally, uh, John Allen, Mr. Ballin, a.k.a. Mr. Ballin, is a Navy SEAL, and these two connected 
because of that military background when Nick became his manager and started helping John understand how to make a business and how to leverage this audience that he had for brand deals. He already had a massive audience. I think he was already in the millions when these two got together. But Nick brought this mentality of understanding how to manage this talent and make a real business out of it. This is such an inspiring and incredible success story. But more importantly, it zeroes in on how you can start from scratch and find your unique perspective, your niche, your spot in the world of social media and content creation. Now that we are in this creator economy, how to find your place in it and find your audience so you can grow a business and brand out of the content you create. Nick is a force, and it was really, really interesting to learn his wild story, his wild ride of how he landed here. He used to be a lawyer, and now he's in the entertainment world, and he started off as an as an agent, a manager at WME, and now he is the CEO of Ballin Studios and has some of the biggest podcasts and YouTube channels on the planet. It's so, so in- inspiring, but to really hear... The background and the story of how he got there is the most inspiring part because it's not just like he was born into it, right? He carved his own lane, and that's the kind of people that I like to talk to. Those are the kind of stories I like to hear because those are the ones that we can learn from and emulate and maybe replicate one day on our own paths. This conversation was amazing. Again, I was a little bit off mic, but it did not take away from it. We hit it off. We had a great time. I learned a lot, and it just like I felt the I felt the force. Like I, after I, I was so pumped up. I know that sounds like cheesy and cliche, but like after this conversation, I felt ready to just like take on the world. So here is my conversation with Nick Witters, and I hope that you love it. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, award-winning filmmaker and writer, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Tuesday morning, I send out a quick storytelling tip to my newsletter subscribers. I show you techniques I've learned along my journey and used in my own stories, as well as those of my clients. But most importantly, I leave you with tangible takeaways that you can apply to your brand storytelling immediately. Oh, well, actually, more importantly than that, it's free. If this would help you, sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. First of all, <laughs> my first question out of the gate, Nick, is like, can you slow down a little bit? Like, it seems like you got a little bit going on with the, the empire you're building over there. Can you just like pump the brakes a little bit or what's going on? Dude, I wish, man. I wish. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because like you get to a point to where you're like, oh, like you get over this cusp of just like, just fighting uphill every time and hitting, you know, roadblocks and speed bumps and dead ends and, you know, and you're pivoting and and you get to like the spot where you're like, dude, this is, this is the one. And you're just like, and now let's step on the gas. Right. And, you know, I'm 34. I feel like I got some, some gas left in the tank. (laughs) Yeah. 
But like, but but think about this. My counterpart is a former Navy SEAL, father of three, and I mean, he ins- he inspires me to just go a hundred percent every day, you know. And we have, and I'm I'm a veteran myself, combat vet myself. So yeah. we have this like he looks at me like, man, Nick just doesn't fucking stop. And I excuse my language, but I look at him and. And I'm like, dude, this fucking Navy SEAL, man. Like, you can, come on. Like, get, just push through it, baby. So, yeah. Wait, That's so what, what, what's your background in, in terms of military service? What branch? Yeah, so I, yeah, so I was in the Air Force. I went okay. active duty, enlisted, joined right when I was 18 out of high school. I grew up in a small 5,000-person logging community about a, an hour southeast of Seattle called okay. Buckley, Washington. And yeah, I grew up with no, you know, single wide trailer, grew up with no college fund. Parents never went to college. And I just was like, I need to get the yeah, out of here, you know? And, and first thing I, I thought of was like, well, shit, if I go to the military, do four years, they'll pay for school. Right. And I was like, maybe I'll learn a little bit of, of like, you know, discipline and, and how to harness that energy that can be distracting for a young man, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I joined the military right after high school and then, uh, bang- 2007, 2009, I volunteered with the army to go do combat missions in Baghdad, Iraq, as part of the police transition team when they took Saddam out. Mm-hmm. And I was a 50 cal gunner uh, on top of a Humvee for about 250 combat missions uh, when I was about 20 years old. Uh, and I was like my, you know, kind of, kind of big boy, big boy job, yeah. I guess. And then I got out when I got, out, I just did four years, got out at, you know, age 22 and 2011 and did the, the college stuff and you know here we are you know hearing of your background like where you grew up what was that like near tacoma kind of yeah so yeah so if you're in tacoma you go 30 minutes east right, right? you know where like mount rainier is yeah, yeah, enumclaw. Yeah, yeah. yeah so enumclaw used to be known for this fucking horse debacle i don't know if you ever heard of this mm. some dude had an altercation with the horse anyway so that was out of enumclaw that ain't this but yeah so i grew up at about the base of mount rainier yeah, um, a little logging to logging community. I had, a, had um, I had a gig a few years ago now, a documentary I did in Gig Harbor. So that's how I know yes. anything oh. about that that area. But um, beautiful, you know, beautiful. Yeah, it, it totally is. But hearing like that, like I, I, you know, I suspected that we would probably connect quickly and easily, and and not just because we're both you know bald, bearded, handsome men. Let's go, but, baby. <laughs> but I also grew up in a really small town. I mean, 9,000. So, like, it just dwarfs your town. Uh, and a lot of the things you just said about, you know, your upbringing, family, uh, I'm already resonating with. So, I, I, feel, I feel you on that. I was the first one to go to college in, in my family as well. Uh, I'm from a rural, you know, town in eastern North Carolina, kind of like fishing and farming community. So, and, and some logging too in North Carolina there as well. What, what so, part of, um, do you know um, Greenville, North Carolina? Buddy, I'm from Little Washington. It's I, I it's Let's 20 minutes east of Greenville. Dude, so I used to spend a week a month in Greenville, North Carolina, when I was running day to day on Mr. Beast's account. Dude, I, I yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Now yeah. I got you. I, I I just spend some time out there, man. It's 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 beautiful, but um, yeah, we're yeah. all proud of Mr. Beast around there, man. But but, yeah. but Greenville, dude. I grew up grew up going to Greenville, like in high school. You know, getting into bars when I shouldn't have been, and that sort of stuff. <laughs> Uh, Greenville is uh, Greenville's an interesting little town. <laughs> it, it is, it is. You got ECU and like, and their sports teams crush. It. I think like the baseball team was in the playoffs. And baseball's like, baseball's been good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I play. I, I love baseball, man. But yeah, I, I'd spent quite a few. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a few times uh, in Greenville. So shout out to the to the Pirates, man. Yeah, right on. So, All right, well, we could we could go off on that forever. Let's try to yeah. stay focused and not just me and you hang out uh, publicly. Yes, sir. <laughs> um all right so there, i have a lot of different questions but let's give a little bit of background uh in terms of like after your service man i really could spend a lot of time talking about that too but after your service what led you to the entertainment industry let's let's at least fill that gap. 100 100 100 so you know i i go i use gi bill go to undergrad and you know, I was just, I was in a position where I was in college and I was like, what the hell do you do with the bachelor's degree? Right. And, and I, am just like, I ain't a science guy, I ain't a math guy. I'm like, eh, I like to argue, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, law, I was like, what about a law as a lawyer? And I was like, well, I ain't paying for school. So, you know, let's just see. So, you know, so I did pre-law and undergrad and then um, I got into law school and used the GI bill for undergrad and for law school. So I had no student debt. Um, so I was in, my first or second year of law school and everyone's like, man, what kind of lawyer do you want to be? You know, you're like, Oh, that's criminal civil. You're going to be a litigator. You're going to be, you know, uh, you're going to be a trial attorney. And I went to a bunch of panels. Cause I think you should be just, you should just run. Like you should be intellectually curious no matter what you're doing, you know, whatever you like to draw, you like create whatever. And so there's a, a, a panel for uh, IP attorneys and one was a guy named Steve Tapia. And I later took a course with him, but he was a 20 year business affairs executive at HBO back in the day. And then happened to move out and be an adjunct professor. And I sat and after the panel, I was like, you know, Hey man, my name's Nick Witters. And nice to meet you. I'm like, what, what, what is a business affairs lawyer? Like an entertainment lawyer? He's like, yeah, you know, so we had coffee and talked about, you know, talked to them all about the business. And I was hooked. I was like, all right, the subject matter of entertainment's interesting with the skill set of being an attorney. All right, well, let's just, all right, let's see where this goes. So I, I was like, how do, how do you get to do that? You know, it's some little, little, little uh, you know, country boy from Washington. He's like, all right, you got to get to LA and you got to get into a talent agency. I was like, talent agency, what's that? You know, it's so, so, so stupid, man. And he's just like, well, you, you got to do it. You know, it's like this, you know, no offense. There's a ton of nepotism in Hollywood. It's no, it's no you know, joke, you know, it's who, you know, we know this in business, but in, in Hollywood, it's like, Oh, kids are producing, you know, dad's a producer, right. mom's casting a director. I went to USC film school, like, you know, and I was, had never been to California in my life other than maybe once as a young, young boy. And so I was like, all right. So I start like deconstructing how I want to do it. So I was like, all right, I got to get to LA, but how about I get to LA soon? Cause he's like, you got to go there now and i was like law school so i called the dean of the, the dean of the law school up i was like i want to do my last year at a law school in la she's like ah we've never done that normally you transfer your third your second year not your third year and i was like okay but can i do it she's like well technically yes but you'd have to take like double the course load summer and i'd have to take evidence and advanced evidence at the same time when normally you go through evidence for three and a half months and then you go into advanced evidence so I'd learn a rule of law and then I'd have to apply it in actual practice. It was the gnarliest shit I've ever done. Long story short, she's like, if you do that, we'll allow you to transfer and you'll have enough home credits to have it from SU, but you'll be able to go and transfer. They also got to accept you. So you got to apply. So I was like, fuck it. So I'll go Pepperdine uh, and, and Loyola Law School in LA and I got accepted and I just packed my bags. I moved that summer 
uh, didn't know anybody in LA and just moved out there. It was like, all right, we're doing this. And that's how like I started that journey into entertainment was being intellectually curious and just not being afraid to ask questions to people that just know more than you. And I, I found this professor who was a business affairs lawyer. And I was like, what do you talk to me about this, man? I just being kind of spur spearheaded the whole rest of my career. I know a lot of the listeners to the show are public speakers or they want to become public speakers, but the problem that many experienced and aspiring professional speakers face is that they simply don't have the time to grow their business the way they would like. And look, I get it. I've been there. Maybe you're there right now. That's why I started using the team at Virtual Campfires to provide me with leads to events and conferences that are a good fit for my message. So they send me all the relevant details I need to immediately reach out and start a conversation with those decision makers. And they've worked with hundreds of speakers to provide tens of thousands of event leads, and it's easy to see why. Outsourcing this time-consuming step has saved me hours and hours of scanning Google and lets me go faster towards my goal of more events, more audiences, and more impact. All you need to do is email leads at virtualcampfires.com to see how their lead subscription business can help you the same way it's helped me. Again, that's leads at virtualcampfires.com. Let them help you tell more great stories and get paid for it. How much did your background in the military and just your training and any changing of perspective that that brought along with it, how much did that influence like just the way the way you move in the world, the way you move in business, the way you move in the entertainment industry? Do you bring that with you? Is that something you can put your finger on? I would say absolutely, right? Like when you when you are okay. a, when you're a young man, you go into or, or you know young young human, you go into the military, you 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 probably don't have the discipline yet you probably don't have that understanding of your abilities yet and it creates a different type of human sometimes good sometimes bad there's a lot of risk associated with going to the military you could die you know it happens and so um and so yeah i would say what it played in my career was like the ability to like adapt and overcome it's a whole when you're going through training you're getting your ass kicked yeah. your nose is in the dirt you're getting stepped on it's adapt and overcome right so you're going into these situations and being the most prepared physically mentally strategically whatever and you're put in these environments that are ever-changing so you have to get put into an environment you have to assess your surroundings and you have to make strategic gut decisions like instant gut decisions not hey let me think on this for like another three months and like weigh every outcome and no you got to make calculated aggressive decisions and you have and you and you can't be afraid to fail because if you go into something being afraid to fail i'm going to be you know, i'm going to talk about a military term you ain't going to pull the trigger when you need to right and that that hmm. that hesitation to pull the trigger in life in decision making you know, not ignorantly, you, you want to make calculated judgments, but like, yeah, I would say it played every part of my life moving forward from when I got out of the military of learn, being able to pivot, being able to like adapt and overcome from failure, from losses. And, and yeah, and it's, it's, it's both hurt me and saved me in my, my young days and my early career till now, you know, and that's how we've essentially built our business together. John and I have just being as smart and calculated as we can with understanding where we are and then having the ability to just pull the trigger. 
Are you familiar with uh, Stephen Pressfield, the author who wrote uh, Gates of Fire? Uh, it sounds familiar to me. He's, he, he's written a lot of historic, like military historical fiction, like Gates of Fire was his, his, his bestseller. But he's also written a lot of nonfiction, like the War, the uh, the War of Art, play on the Art of War, right? And his his approach, you would really dig his stuff if you have it. And you may already know him, just may not recognize the name. Yeah. But um, I mean, his approach to to art, to writing, in his case, is is with the same mindset of like it's not this like woo-woo art that you have to conjure up, you know, a perfect setting for it's work, right? Yeah. It's discipline. Yeah. It's sitting down and doing the damn work. And so he brings that military like ethos, uh, if you will, to to his work and it's um it's really powerful. Uh that's cool. I'll 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 send you some of his stuff. But I had him on the show and I was talking to him. You reminded me of this when we first started talking about like when you grind and grind and you're climbing, you're climbing, you start to get that plateau and you start to get that momentum. And I told him this story uh, and he had never heard of this before but i um i used to box just for a little while you know a few years cool. back when i was younger yeah. and my trainer told me is like you kind of have two different types of people you got one that when they yeah. do a little damage they sit back on their laurels yeah. and they like they say oh i can catch my breath right now yeah and you have the other type of person who like sees the blood smells the blood and water whatever metaphor you want to use and goes in for the kill right yes. and that's what you reminded me of and i had said that previous on a podcast of when like when you start to finally get that momentum after all this work, yes. it can be easy to be like, oh my God, like, isn't this great? We're doing it. But that's the time when you throttle down, yes. you know? Yes. God, that's Sorry, fucking, it's fucking beautiful. We love excitement in this house, man. Dude, every, everything is predicated on motive, on, on momentum, right? Yeah. It's so hard to yeah. get it going. And it's such a normal human reaction. It's to lay off the gas and like smell the rose. Like, right get complacent getting that kind of human mindset of laziness that's just traditionally in our dna but like mm -hmm. you gotta be aggressive um yeah, yeah. and even if it's just to catch your breath like, yeah. that makes sense i get why totally. but like but that's the time you yeah. know that's the time when you when you go in so it seems to me that you and john like your your collaboration is really a big part of and you've kind of already alluded to this uh a big part of what's generating that inertia that momentum so bring me back to the to the beginning of that relationship. Yeah. So, God, man, it's it's there's so much. So, like life is so interesting when you think of all the 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 lost the, the L's, right? Every L, right? Everyone's like, everyone happens for a reason. One door closes, one door opens. Like it, it is, <laughs> it is so annoyingly true that like you sit in something that you just like you were just so dead set that that was the that was the move, and it completely evaporates, and you're just like. Well, all right. A lot of people can't handle that L if it's big enough. Right. And it's, it's painful, but you gotta just step up, dust yourself off, assess, adapt and overcome. Right. And so when I had gotten fired, right. COVID, right. Um, little personal stuff. My mom passed away about six years ago, but she had passed away about when I, right. When I moved to LA, my, uh, mm -hmm. that was in August, 2016, December, 2016, my uncle got hit by a car, passed away, which was her brother. And then a month after that, January 20th in 2017. So a month later, my mom got sick with the flu and passed away. And I had, and I was in my last year of law school. I just moved to LA. I was, I was destroyed. You know, my mom was the closest human being. You know, she was a single mom. She raised us like she's just, so that 
that triggered a lot of my bad habits of like being in the military. Guess what? You know, when you get stressed, you drink and all this stuff. So long story short, I, and then when you're in Hollywood, everything's get drinks, get drinks, you know, here, let's, you know, and, and it just got to be a ton. And I had developed a bad habit of drinking. I do not drink anymore. I had drink. I had stopped drinking when I had immediately gotten fired. And I was like, this is the moment to either get defined by this or go and define yourself. Right. So I got fired at William Morris and I thought like I was going to be an agent for life. Like that was my thing. And I was like, well, that, that ain't going to be it right now. So ironically enough, I had failed the bar the first time. So during COVID I studied for the bar, retook the bar and passed it. Um, and then I got back into Washington, started reassessing what I want to do was, was so inspired by being a talent representative and I was like, well, there's managers and all this stuff. So anyways, a buddy of mine who I was in the mailroom with calls me up. This was back in 2021, right? He's like, hey, dude, I work for this management company. It's a bunch of YouTubers and they manage Mr. Beast. I was like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what a Mr. Beast is. <laughs> I, my YouTube experience was like, uh, you know, get on the news, watch news clips and like get it. Right. How do I change a starter in my truck? Like that was my, YouTube, yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but like I said, be a student and, and just have a passion for learning and you'll figure it out. So like, I loved, I, I worked for, I worked for a guy named Brant Joel. He's like my closest mentor. He was the head of the talent department at William Morris. When I worked there, he had Justin Timberlake and Jason Momoa and just seeing how he operated was like so fucking cool and inspiring. And he was in the Navy. And so I love talent representation, right? And so I get a call and my boy Giacomo, you know, fucking my brother, excuse my language. I don't know if I can swear here, just bleep it out, I guess. Too late now, Too late now, baby. He calls me up. He's like, hey, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, man, I just passed the bar, trying to look for some legal job. I might go, you know, get an MBA. I just don't know. He's like, he's like, well, the CEO of of this company, this management company that managed Mr. Beast, he's looking for like a right-hand dude to kind of handle his management side of the business, run day-to-day on Mr. Beast, and essentially, you know, kind of build in, you know, their training program for coordinators, assistants, all this stuff, right? It was a newer company about, I think I was employee 23. And they had a, they had a labs business to incubate products with creators. And then they had a venture fund. And I was like, well, that sounds fucking interesting. And so I was like, Mr. Beats, he goes, Nick, is your goal in life not to just be the, the negotiator, just negotiate the biggest deals on the planet? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I know it's YouTube but I'm telling you, this is no joke. And I was like, all right, I'll give it six months. I'll take the offer. I'll move out to Austin, Texas. I'll do six months. If we, if we all love each other and, and I'm just digging this, I'll stay and we'll figure it out. But Hey, no harm, no foul. And you know, I, I, I accepted the offer contingent on me being a manager in six months. Um, but I'd help on and, and help this guy, you know, the CEO of the company, you know, manage his biggest creator. So that's when I was in Greenville once a week, you know, every, you know, every month or two and just really diving into the business. I mean, everything from negotiating to like, so Mr. Beast did this squid game video, right? It was like the first video to hit a hundred million. It's got like 430 million views right now. Well, I negotiated that brand deal. It took me about six months and it was, you know, well into the two point something millions, uh, biggest brand deal in YouTube history. And I just, and it was so cool. Long story short, I get to the management company. I know shit about YouTube, right? But when you start working for like the Michael Jordan of YouTube, you learn how to do a jump shot. You learn how to dribble. You learn the the, the economics of the players and the game and, and everything. And so 
I just put my lawyer hat on and my talent man and my talent rep hat on and, and I just went head first. And so anyways, I got flagged by Giacomo, Mr. Ballin or John, my, my like first month in. Cause I was like, right when I got there, I was like, all right, I'm going to manage this guy and this team and I'm going to find my next, I'm going to find my client. Right. I'm going to find that dude that I'm like passionate about the content. Cause YouTube's a bunch of kid content, gaming content, yeah. you know, yeah. personally, you know, I would watch the news and I would learn how to change the starter. So like what kind of content creator would I be interested in? Right. He slides yeah. this dude who's like blowing up on TikTok. just started a YouTube channel about a year prior, had about 2 million subs on it. I think now we're at seven and a half million. I think he maybe had two and a half million. But he's doing million of millions of views per video, doing a video a week. And the dude was a Navy seal and jocks like, listen, dude, we've been trying to sign him for months. And he's like, not having it. He's a former Navy SEAL. He's a father of three. He's making YouTube videos from his phone in his basement. What is a manager to him? Right? Like that, it, it, right. it's, it's not a common sense type thing. And I was like, well, first off, I look at the, I look at the field. I'm like, there's four managers of the company. I'm like, none of them are going to be able to manage this guy. Like they're just, it, it, if I'm a, I'm a combat vet. I'm a little, I'm a little fucked up, right? Let's just be real. Like you have, you operate different, right? And so yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, this dude's a former Navy SEAL. Like if anyone's going to be able to manage this guy and have that, be able to have a, you got to love your clients. It's not about having a yes. client and just doing a deal or two. You have to love your client to be the best manager, agent, representative. And I learned that from Brand. And so I hit up John email i was like guys you have his email right they failed to sign him for like eight months i was like watch this <laughs> i draft up an email in the subject line it was like combat veteran love your content in the body it was like hey man like i know you don't want management i'm not that's not what i'm here for but heads up i'm a combat vet i'm also an attorney entertainment lawyer and i run day to day on mr beast and youtubers know youtubers so right away he's like all right well this dude's probably credible enough to aim an idiot He's an attorney, so he's got to have some mind. He's got to be some level of intelligent. And by the way, John is the most intelligent guy I've ever met. Like his ability to understand people and communication and this just it's it's Clearly. it's so fascinating. So, anyways, no bullshit. Sent him an email, and I was like, "Listen, dude, I'm not trying to sign you. Just putting my friend hat out there. Not sure if you have anyone in your camp or on your team, but you know, I could imagine." you're probably in a place where you just don't know what's happening. You're like, you can tell stories. You're, you're the, no, the, not the most interesting, fascinating, best storyteller I've ever heard. I've ever seen. You just get immersed in this stuff, but I don't know if like, where you are in the business. So long story short, get him on a call. Right. And I'm so excited. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Right. And we get on the call and he's no shows. And I'm like, Oh man. I was like, yeah, I, I was like, that's it. That's the, that was the chance, you know? Uh -huh. And so I sent him an email a couple days later. Hey man, dude, yo, dude, no stress. Seriously, no stress. I just, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of your stuff, man. You're a vet. I'm a vet. Like, I, and it's been my passion since I got into Hollywood to work with veterans. My first client I ever had was Nate Boyer. Who's a former green beret played for the Seahawks walk on, you know, his store. Do you know Nate Boyer? Uh, vaguely, vaguely, but not, so, not, not deep. So, incredible he's a brother of mine so anyway, that was my first client in the business you know so i love working with veterans man i'm a huge veteran advocate i've i've, I've shown and proved it every chance i get 
Um, uh, and we have a veteran at the company too. But anyway, long story short, he hits me back up. He's like, dude, shit, I'm so sorry. My house flooded on now. And I'm like, a little nervous. I'm like, all right. So I was like, yes. We get on the call and we're talking and he just kind of got to a point maybe about 10, 15 minutes in. He's just like, I'm just going to be real with you guys. I don't know what is happening right now. I don't know how to understand what's happening. Other than he's like, I'm like doing what I'm doing instinctually. My channel's blowing up. I'm like skyrocketing here. All this yeah, money's coming yeah, yeah. in. All this like, he's like, deals are coming in. I don't know what to do. Thank God. This dude is so fucking smart. He's like, me and my wife have this thing, Nick, that if we don't know what to do, we do nothing unless we can make an honest decision on what to do. So fortunately he didn't have any crazy deals or crazy people in his life, like manipulating him, like his view of the business, blank canvas, clean kitchen. And I was like, listen, man, why don't we do this? I'm not going to ask you to sign. Why don't I just help you out? Like, what are the things you need help with? And I would love to just help you out. And he's like, listen, man, I, I got a couple things here and you know, I got kind of some personal stuff. I go, you could call me up big like, dude. I bought a tractor. I'm going to drive it from Kansas to Kentucky and be like, I would say where and when like that's, it doesn't matter what the ask is. And it doesn't have to be something you make money from being a manager is, is just, you gotta love, love your client, man. It's like, and so anyways, he's like my baby, right? Like when we first started working, he was so he was so new and I was so new and we grew together yeah. in this business. And like, I had Beautiful. the, yeah. And so that's, that's how it got to be. So anyways, about two months in, I'm helping him, not asking for nothing. And I'm not promising shit. I'm just helping him. He goes, and I'm running point on, on Jimmy, Mr. Beast. And I'm running, you know, running out to Greenville and I'm closing these deals and I'm done all of this. I think our first deal I brought him, he first brand deal he ever did was like 5,000. I was like, dude, you cannot, like, you know. So first deal I brought him was like 150 grand. He was like, is this real? I go, yes. He's like, do you want to be my manager? I go, hell yeah, man. <laughs> and so, and then we just started, and we just started working together, man. So it was, it was so cool. Man. And, and it was nice. Cause like I, I had, I had the ability to help him and be helpful. And I was learning so much as a manager for Jimmy that like, it was just like perfect place. Perfect. Like, right. It was just the world's like everything came together um and that's how we that's how we started man what do you think resonates with people so well or so much with his channel like why what makes him such a great storyteller dude he has this ungodly gift to just know how to communicate with humans with people mm. and as a storyteller you're not just going like uh, all right, Sarah went into the kitchen and then there was a knife and then something happened and then she died. Like storytelling is an art form, right? Like anyone can grab a piece of pen and start sketching or grab a, a paintbrush and start painting, right? But like Basquiat's Basquiat and, and that's just how it is, right? So there's like that God-given gift, but there's also like he grew up in a family of storytellers, right? Like mm. when he was a kid, his dad was sitting around the camp. They grew up out in Boston like just south of Boston out in Quincy and his dad, have you seen the movie spotlight with Michael Keaton? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that spotlight team at the Boston globe, right? Mm -hmm. Michael Keaton's character is 
base father, John's dad, Scott Allen. So Pulitzer Prize, oh, you know, just like, you know, yeah. And, and his mother, Jesse, she's like my mom now. She writes for the podcast. She's written almost every episode. She is so incredible. She works so hard. Wow. She's like a world-class librarian. So like, you know, and then his sister, Evan, who's our producer now, two-time Pulitzer Prize winner for the Boston Globe is like as smart as John and just the most personal, bubbly, like hardcore person too. Like I would not want to cross her. Like she, like she can make decisions and like show love and compassion like anyone else. And so he just grew up in this family and then he just had a passion for telling stories. You know, he's a kid out there, you know, and you know, some people just tell a good story, but what resonates with his, his audience is the fact that like the due diligence into the stories, the sourcing, the citing, the structuring of the story. So if we go into like the nuts and bolts of the actual story, extremely world-class research, the structure of the story is so intricately placed with fact and, and story. So let's just say out of a hundred percent of a, a story that's in the news, right? Probably 60% of it is like John's telling the story, right? When you, when you listen to him and you watch his videos, you listen to him on the podcast, everyone go listen to the Mr. Ballin podcast, uh, only available on Amazon music plug. That's it. And so, um, you just feel like he's there. He was there. And like the person who's no longer here with us, we don't sensationalize the death or the victim or the crime. It's like, we get letters all the time from families that are like, or where we will reach out specifically on sometimes maybe because we're going to tell a story about, you know, your daughter or this. And they're just like, how you did it was so, was so beautiful. Like, thank you. Right. Um, and he's just such a showman. He's such, he's so good. So anyways, all of that combined right. creates this, like, he's just like the most iconic storyteller over time right now. What about the content of the yeah. stories itself? Like it's a very specific kind of story, right? Yep. So we go through a ton of topic finding, right? It could be a great yeah. topic, but the sources are black or the storyline. Cause you got to have character development in story, right? You just can't, I mean, you, you're a filmmaker, right? You're just going to, unless you're just filming a bunch of penguins, but even that, like you, you go and you watch um, planet earth, like you're watching a documentary, but it's a story. You know, there's, you're watching a cheetah one minute, a penguin the next, and then, and then all of a sudden it's, it sets the cheetah up with the cubs and all this crazy stuff. It don't matter. Storytelling is storytelling. And he just has a way in which he, he implements structure, you know, twists, turns, red herrings, um, character development. Like you feel for the character and, and we don't sensationalize the death. So you don't feel dirty after, right? You, you're either scared to shit because it was a strange, dark, mysterious story. They're like, like an unexplained death or, 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 or uh, you know, phenomena, like weird phenomena or ghost stories or whatever, right? True crime, of course. And then mm -hmm. at the end on the reveal, you don't start with the reveal because you already, you already gave, gave the ending. Like, you know, in a story, you, it's to get to the ending and then that, and then the story's done. You don't continue to go and tell more about the story. Everyone's checked out. No one cares. Get in and get out. Right. So he just has, and it's funny when we started training writers and I was like, John, you got, we got to train writers, man. You're going to burn the hell out. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, but I don't know how I was like, I was like, fuck. All right. So, cause he's just so instinctually good that it's hard right. to articulate exactly. But then when yes. Evan came on, 
he, Evan, her, she is so good at like figuring out how he did it, creating the proper training and testing manuals. And just like now we have a, a writer we hired, we're testing another, we call it writer's boot camp. Go, go figure we're military. Uh, and then we're, we're constantly <laughs> testing other writers um, in audio and, and in video. So podcasts, YouTube, et cetera. So pod, both podcasts and YouTube yep. have been out now for, uh, I mean, a long time. I mean, YouTube was what, 2005 or six. So shit, that's going on 20 years, um, yep. which is wild. Isn't that wild? So I think a lot of people might, especially with the rise of TikTok and other platforms, yep. might be like, oh, they're oversaturated. Uh, you know, mm. I don't know, where, like if they're beginning, right? right. Let's let's bring it, bring it back, you know. Um, what is so powerful about those, both of those platforms where you, you all have had success? Yes. And is there still room for someone to start today and leverage mm. them to kind of achieve the success that they want, the type of success that you all have had. hundred percent. I think about this every day, right? It's like, you know, you have to, you have to adapt or die, right? That's another phrase I like to use, right? So we're constantly just paying attention to this stuff. So <clears throat> a little, little anecdote. So we get ready to launch this podcast, right? This was back February before last, right? We've been, we've been a podcast for about a year, a little over a year. We started it on Valentine's day. Uh, it was going to be the week before, but we just weren't, just right for it because we just were working on these two little final episodes to launch and it was like and hit, john and i are hardcore we're like we set a goal and we're gonna hit it we're like february 7th we're going live it's like february 5th and we're just like we need another week but it's gonna have to be on a monday and it's like but it's valentine's day i was like let's just figure this just makes you know him and i look we're like yeah but we said we're gonna do it so let's do it so we just called it valentine's day we made up our own little holiday just to promote, you know, true crime and strange arc mysterious on a, on a Valentine's day, you know, some couples like to do, you know, they like, let's go watch, you know, this together or whatever. <laughs> and so we, we didn't, we didn't care. We didn't care. But um, it was funny because we started to talk about doing the podcast. It was, I signed him in October, 2021, that December, we were like, all right, dude, we're going into the next year. What's some goals of ours. I was like, dude, you were a podcaster that just hadn't done a podcast yet. If you close your eyes and listen to this YouTube video, might as well be a damn podcast, right? And so Dude. I was so, so as a manager, I was like, that's the most logical next step. Plus it's, it's a, it, that, that vertical, you know, is, is prime for storytelling. Cause we are storytellers. We're not podcasters. We're not YouTubers. We're storytellers, right? So what are that? What are the verticals that storytelling just fits? And we're like audio. So, you know, I was still at the management company and John and I were there too. And, and everyone had their freaking two cents, man. Everyone's like, oh, dude, you know, they, they, j frankly, John and I, I had never listened to a podcast. I had maybe listened to Joe Rogan once, right? I, I knew nothing of podcasting. But, you know, I put my lawyer hat on and I'm like, what's this learn? So I hit up everybody who I knew, who knew anybody about podcasting. And I was like, what do I need to know? What do I not know? What do you like? And I just took about a hundred calls, drafted a playbook for him and I, both for the marketing advertising side, like the pre-launch promotion. Let's get the artwork dialed. How are we going to promote it across the entire flywheel from YouTube, long form shorts, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram shorts, Facebook, Snapchat, right? How do we use our 20 plus million reach to launch this new show? And so 
everybody and their mom was like, it should be host and co-host. It should be video with the guests and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's so freaking one dimensional. I'm like, no. I was like, Johnny, what do you want to do? He's like, dude, I'm a narrative storyteller. I go, well, that's what the, that's what the people want. And I go, but here's the kicker on YouTube. We're strange, dark, mysterious. We're about for every six videos, we do a true crime one. So we're about 20% mm -hmm. true crime on, you know, on YouTube. We like it strange, dark, mysterious. Right. And so on the podcast, I was like the vertical, uh, the category that's popular, obviously out of, out of comedy and news is true crime. So I was like, we got to be true crime focused. Uh, and we won't get heat for it. Right. And we do a ton, ton of true crime on YouTube. Everyone's like, where's the strange, dark, mysterious. There's uproar. So we, 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 cause John, John's a man of the people. He loves his community. Yeah. yeah He's yeah, so yeah. successful. Got to. So successful as a storyteller because he cares. He lets people into his life. He speaks to them. Before we launch, side note, before we launched the, the Amazon deal, he's like, okay, they're doing, doing this huge press release and the podcast was only going to be exclusive on, on Amazon Music instead of worldwide on Spotify. He's like, but I want to tell my audience, my community first. And of course, all the PR team, sorry, Jacqueline, everyone's like, yeah, but it's going to ruin it. And, and, and the Hollywood Reporter deadline, they're not going to want to release it. And I was like, we don't care. Get us a, get us a 20 minute window. And our PR team did it along with the UTA PR team. And they're like, listen, 15 minutes before we launch this article, y'all can do a personalized video and upload it on YouTube shorts and tell your audience exactly how the deal is going to work. Right. So, so people don't feel like they're left in the dust. Right. And that's the missing key yeah. for community. So let's go back. We go to launch the podcast and we're like, it's going to be John's, John's YouTube channel narrative storytelling, but audio only and true crime focus. And we just sent it. We did, we did our full due diligence. We got enough, uh, enough information and, and knowledge to launch it everybody in the on the planet would have been like why are you doing a true crime show there's crime junkie morbid my favorite murder there's a million true crime shows maybe 30 or 30 percent of the top 20 on like spotify and amazon or whatever and apple are true crime shows so like to go to your question how in a saturated market are you going to be successful and it goes back to one of my, my closest, other closest mentors, Kevin Morris, who's actually Matthew McConaughey's attorney. Uh, he would always say this. He's, and he also was the lawyer, is the lawyer for the South Park guys, Trey Masson, or Trey Parker mm -hmm. Masson. He was like, listen, content's king. He's like, content quality, no matter what, above all, will succeed. Focus on that. We happen to have had a platform to launch, right? That flywheel that we had been right. creating. So that's where the success for the launch came. But once the launch came, everyone's like, dude, this is, it's a single host narrative, true crime podcast, sprinkles of true crime, sprinkles of strange, dark, mysterious crime junkie. It's a talkie. It's, it's like, you know, they're, they're giving opinions on things. You know, I love Ashley flowers. I'm a huge fan morbid. It's two girls, Ash and Lena talking about, you know, but, you know, they, and I love all of their shows and I want everybody to win. We just want to win more. Yeah. Right. And so we just like, you know, it's a saturated market. Everyone's going to call us, you know, idiots. Let's just stick to our guns, dude. Yeah. But isn't it so much? Cause I, I work with a lot of clients and talk about this a lot in my content. Like, isn't it so much about your 
or his and this, uh, both yours, yeah. uh, approach, uh, your specific approach to the medium, to the vertical, yeah. to the content, right? I mean, and especially with him having such a personality like he does, there is room for, for all, yes. I think, because, yes. you you know, if you're not doing it differently than your competitor, yes. something's wrong anyway, yes. as far as I'm concerned. Yes, that's the key. That's the key. If we try- But yeah. so many people try to emulate and copy and don't think like, well, what is a Rain Bennett show sound like versus uh, Mr. Ballin show, right? Yes, that, that is the key. So to answer your question, finally, long story long, yes, <laughs> there is room in a saturated market. You just got to find your edge. You got to be a degree or two off and you got to have conviction in your product and what you're doing and you got to just send it, right? And a lot of people just, they get swayed by the wind a little too much and they don't quite have a hundred percent conviction I'm going to say we, ha we have a player's advantage. John and I both look at each other in absolute trust and conviction with our decision-making. Yeah. So when he has a thought and opinion, I will give, and if he, if he wants it, I will give my thoughts and opinion to that. But most of the time I'm like, I'm your manager. My job is to promote you and help get, you know, help you do what you want to do. It's not my job to change you, to, to, to curate your stuff. I trust his judgment every day, and he trusts mine every day. I run the business. He runs the content. I can't do what he does. He can't. He, he can't hell no, don't want to do what I do. He's like, Nick, I can't. <laughs> I hate taking calls, and you take 10 calls a day. How are you alive? He's like, I take two a week, and I just am drained. And I'm like, yeah, because, <laughs> cause, dude, he's such a brilliant creator and artist that, like, his he needs to be in that happy space and that's like me as his manager i i my position as manager is to take all the stress away solve every problem i can help build a team around him so to prevent burnout and to help him you know help him him grow he's like listen dude youtube's feeling like like a job what's the next thing i'm like dude podcast but we got to get youtube on autopilot and get you time back because we can't spread you too thin you burn out the whole thing house of cards collapses yeah. So you got to be smart. You got to trust your team. But yeah, so there's plenty of room to grow in the audio space. Same with YouTube. YouTube's so interesting because it's it's a lot of algorithmic uh, kind of success, right? We and there's ebbs and flows. Of course, there's view changes in viewing habits. Hey, we're going into the summer. People aren't in school, but are they going to be sitting and watching TV? Or are they going to be outside playing? Like all these things factor in. Well, you know, are you going to upload on a holiday weekend? Are you going to upload during spring break? Like all these things are so strategic and operating that like plain and simple, easiest way to get into like the creator space, digital space, get on short form first, get on TikTok or YouTube shorts. Cause your, your chances of going viral there outweighs going viral on a YouTube video upload 10 times out of 10. Right. And then you build and, and, honestly, and you can even do it simultaneously. You can start that YouTube channel and you can take those and start building like a TikTok short form, you know, sub one minute content on shorts and TikTok, figure out a way to just continue to maybe build a little mini flywheel where people find you on TikTok. You're promoting that you have a YouTube channel. So they go to YouTube, they find you on YouTube, they find out you have a YouTube shorts channel, you know, and you just, mm -hmm. yeah. the web and, and your, your net is just as wide as you can cast it. Um, that's my advice, man. It's yeah. So <clears throat> you've kind of alluded to this a couple of times. Um, and especially when you were talking about, you know, 
John's approach to wanting to make the announcement himself to his community yes. versus kind of like the more traditional, conventional path of going to these media outlets, etc. You also kind of touched on it when you mentioned first finding out about Mr. Beast, and you're like, I don't know what a Mr. Beast is. <laughs> um, love you, Jimmy. Love TikTok, you, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, love you, Jimmy. Uh, I saw a TikTok the other day that talked about how we're, we're we are moving or have moved from this like influencer economy of 2015 to now to this creator economy. And this is what you've talked uh, about a little bit here recently. Can you talk, and this is a big, you know, kind of broad question. Can you talk to me a little bit about that in terms of like, where are we now and where do you think it, it will go? Like, just explain to me what's going on now and the, the power dynamics, the white space and opportunity for a creator at this point in 2023. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, let's go back to media as a whole, right? Like media first started yeah. in like the talkies, right? The, 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 the black yeah. and white, like, you know, film, speaking my language, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And then the, then the, the evolution of, of, of film and then television and then sitcoms and then non-scripted television doc, you know, all these things that kind of spear out, but not until recently, I would say t- legitimately Jimmy, in the boys over on the beast team, by the way, I, I, I am their biggest, I am their number one fan. James Warren, the, the CEO. I love him to death. Mark Hudspeth, the president. I mean, you got Rohan on the sub one minute content. You got Ali and Alex and all these guys on the producer. They, uh, it is, they move mountains as what would take in Hollywood years, right? Let's just be right. straight up. So to that point, and I came from traditional Hollywood, right? I was in talent agencies. I want to be, you know, I want to rep actors and, and and um and actors and um and athletes you know stuff like that right well i started to see where like influencers were coming in so when i was in when i was in not uh in town in the commercials endorsement space you would have like all right um the rock would do a deal with boss water and you know um under armor and charlie theron would do a deal with you know chanel for perfume well, there started to be right. the influencer space that was seeping in, but it was like influencers. It was like you're you're popular because you're popular. It's Kardashian effect, right? right. Like, but what is and no, and they've all sprouted and grown into these mega these mega sure. minds. However, it was just like the Paris Hilton stuff. You know, they're they're, they're popular because they're popular. Like that's the influencer space, right? Right. And you know, it's like ah, I'm on Instagram. I take pictures and this. I just I, there wasn't a lot of content being generated it was like personality to be a personality and people wanting to be a personality versus being a creator and it was funny because when i worked i worked for this guy and my first experience with like and by the way i don't have social media i have no instagram i have no facebook i have have a twitter i do not use i have linkedin but i'm in the space which is funny but i we worked with a guy named lawan james who's like a an instagrammer who would create the sketch comedy for like Hispanic culture. And it was fascinating, Mm. but I remember distinctly because YouTube wasn't quite there in the creator space. And you had this influencer creator space, YouTube, Instagram. Right. And there was, and I remember when we were talking about like, Hey dude, we need to get you on YouTube. Right. And, and there was just this, like, like, this is my space. Like I'm an influencer. I need to be on Instagram, but he was creating content like 
like YouTube content and like TikTok content, but TikTok wasn't big, obviously, because that was 19, 18, 19, right? And I got in at 2018 in the commercials department. Yeah. So, it, so it was really YouTube. And if you didn't start on YouTube, you didn't move into YouTube. You either started on YouTube like Jimmy, right, 10 years ago, or you started on Instagram, right? And then you were either an influencer or a creator. And now there's this cross-pollination. Old school Hollywood there's too many gatekeepers. You want to be an actor, got to go Hollywood, bus tables, do acting gigs, try to get in. Dude, you can, you can become talent and show your talent as a creator on your own. You upload your own YouTube video. You get your own boy to do your filming. You edit yourself. You write. Dude, John was doing everything. He was topic finding, researching, writing, filming, editing, and producing, posting all on his iPhone right in his basement as a one-man band that is possible you can't do that in traditional hollywood but it's funny because unlike traditional hollywood you see will smith in what once a year in a movie twice a year in a movie what kind of influence does he have other than being an actor and having that fan base well jimmy puts a video out once a month every two months he's got a he's got a gaming channel reacts channel philanthropy channel main channel you see Jimmy every day of the week. That's influence. Yeah. And you ain't got to go and try to get in behind to the agencies and getting, you know, it's just, there's the access and the ability to be found and show your skills as a creator is only going to go deeper and, and take over more of the pie. If we think this is media, it was probably 90, 10 traditional. And the rest was kind of the digital influencer. It's 50-50 now, baby. And I think it's only going to go stronger, right? And so, yeah, I, I think anyone who's interested needs to do it. Do it now or never do it, right? Um, and just and then do, do shit that you're passionate about and you will love every day that you're doing it. You do stuff you're not interested in. You do stuff because you think it's, oh, this is trending. Let me go do this. Like, no, man, do what's passionate for you and be the best you can be. And just, yeah, so. And then- just to tie it back full circle, <laughs> you'll it'll be like climbing that roller coaster. You'll tick, 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 tick for a long time, yes. building, carving your own path. But at some point, folks, it will start you, to get to that crest. You 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 will break. You will break and start hitting <laughs> hitting momentum. And once momentum hits, exactly. and this is what John and I've been riding, man. Momentum. There's nothing more powerful than momentum, and momentum will ebb and flow. But once you get in flow you you have to seize that moment and you have to be diligent and smart about it because the earlier you're on in that growth every decision like so jen Sargent is a mentor and friend of mine she's a ceo of wondery i love her to death she, she she's blessed me with doing a, a, a once a month ceo meetings I, I i'm a new ceo and she's like right. man listen dude when you first start out she's built multiple business she's like Every decision feels like a whiplash thing. If it if it's the bad call, it'll destroy the business. That's how it feels. So when you start riding momentum and you're making these decisions and you're like, growth, growth. All right, two steps forward, one step back. Five steps forward, two steps back. But you're still growing and you keep that momentum with you. It is weird how things start to go and fold into each other. Um, you got to be sharp, dude. I, I One last thing from a mentor of mine. So so Steven Levinson is Mark Wahlberg's manager and, and partner. I used to work with him, spend time with him uh, at the agency because he would do a lot of stuff with veterans. And 
I was, you know, I started a veteran hiring committee at the agency. So we had about eight veterans in Hollywood that I started from nothing. Nice. So we would talk and, and he, he, was, he said this once and I never forgot it. He goes, listen, man, the longer you stay in the business, the more opportunity will come. You just have to be able to see it and go for it. But don't worry about missing one because you'll continue to have those opportunities. But you just got to be smart enough to see it. And you got to pull the trigger on it. But he's like, that's why when I had gotten fired up the agency, it wasn't like my life was over. It was like that path just wasn't the one. And I wasn't in a position to, to be on a right path at that time. Um, I always remember that, man. Just if you stay in the business, you, you stay in the game, you get on, you know, you start creating and you just keep going. Opportunities will come and you got to seize them. Yeah, because that, that's that's focusing on building a catalog and not just one hit, right? Yeah. So I, I love that approach. I think it's a perfect perfect place to, to end today, man. Um, thank you, brother. I mean, it's a real pleasure to meet you. I, I mean, I'm super, super Same. proud of you all for the success you're having. You deserve every bit of it. But uh, I'm excited to see what comes next, man. I mean, I, I can tell that you've learned so much in the past couple of years. Yeah. And, like, you've got all this space now in front of you. The momentum is there. I'm really pumped for you, man. We got a lot of exciting stuff coming this year. The end of the year, we got new shows in development for audio. We should have another call, another six months or or next year. And and I cannot wait to talk about some of the stuff. We will. We absolutely will. Cool. Dude, Ray, it was an honor, brother, man. Thank you. That means a lot, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate it. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow and that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a story coaching and consulting company that builds online education, in-person and virtual training, and digital products that help businesses master storytelling to find their ideal customers and market to them effectively. You can learn more at sixsecondstories.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. And purchase the book Six Second Stories at Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, or RainBennett.com slash Six Second Stories.